your ability to influence increases when your need to control decreases. Trust begets trust. This is so important. People act the way that you treat them. And if you treat people as untrustworthy, it's crazy how they will start acting untrustworthy because they have to get out of the oppression of your clenched fist. Loosen your grip. Be willing to trust first. To have an accurate viewpoint of one's self, that's called humility. And that's a powerful tool in the belt of the loose grip leader. Hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they are created to be so that others may benefit and God may be glorified. And this podcast is really just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Now, in the previous episode, we talked about the idea that it's possible for all of us to be growing in a way that is not necessarily healthy. And the reason why that is, is because health and growth are not the same thing. So just because you're growing doesn't mean you're healthy, but I want you to know, and I want to reiterate in this episode, healthy growth is possible, it's just not guaranteed. And it never occurs on accident, it's always because a leader became incredibly and deliberately intentional. And then in the previous growth, we talked about one of the symptoms, but also one of the causes of toxic growth, growth that is unhealthy, is anyone that chooses to lead or starts leading with a clenched fist. Clench your fist real quick. Feel the tension that that creates. Feel the anxiety that that creates. Feel how stressed out. Literally, if you clench your fist as hard as you can, I'm doing it right now too. It just feels like you need to release. And so often we lead in that exact way. Because we said that clenched fist leadership causes toxic growth. A leader that needs to maintain control, a leader that has fallen for the lie that healthy growth and control can increase at a perpetual rate for the remainder of time proportionally with each other, is is operating in a realm of clenched fist leadership. Because you can have growth and increased control, but you can't have healthy growth perpetually with increased control. And so we said, we've got to operate and we've got to opt for a different posture. We have to opt for a different model of leadership. And it's what I refer to as loose grip leadership. Here's the beautiful thing about loose grip leadership. Loose grip leadership causes healthy growth. Seriously, loose grip leadership, if you engage in this and if you choose to loosen up your level or your need for control, if you choose to start trusting others, if you choose to stop operating from a posture of anxiety, if you choose to stop worrying, if you choose to start breathing, if you choose to start resting, healthy growth will start occurring. But here's the other beautiful thing is that if you do have a rhythm of healthy growth, what that will naturally cause is loose grip leadership. And so instead of being caught in a sinister cycle of toxic clenched fist leadership, you engage in a virtuous cycle where loose grip leadership causes healthy growth. And then that very healthy growth causes loose grip leadership in others. And that's what I want so bad for your business. 
because I've seen side by side on a call before. I, I've been doing this for five years now, working with business owners, and I've seen side by side on a call one business owner who's experiencing rapid, exponential year over year growth within their team, within their revenue, and within the scope and size of their business. And right next to them is another business owner that's experiencing rapid, exponential year over year growth in their revenue, within their team, and within the scope and size of their business. And one of them is miserable and one of them is fulfilled. So it's possible to grow in a way that's healthy. It's just not guaranteed. But one of the things that you must do if you want to engage in a pattern and a lifestyle of healthy growth for you as a person, for you as a leader, and for your business and team is you have to loosen your grip. And you have to commit to consistently applying yourself to a habit of releasing and loosening and relying and trusting other people. Because loose grip leadership, I believe, is founded on a truth. And I'm going to give you the truth here real quick. The truth that you need to believe if you're going to engage in the actions that we talk about for the remainder of this episode is that your ability to influence increases when your need to control decreases. I'm going to say it again. Loose grip leadership is founded on the truth that your ability to influence increases when your need to control decreases. Now, John Maxwell says that leadership is influence. So what this is essentially saying is your ability to lead effectively, to add value to others, to move forward, to chase a vision that is not currently where you are, to bring others along for the ride, your ability to do that effectively increases. You become better at being able to do that when you start to drop your need to control everything. And the, the imperative word there that we highlighted a lot in the previous episode, and I really would recommend in, you go listen to that as kind of the, the preparation for this episode. But the word that I want to highlight is the word need. When we have a need to control things, that's when business, that's when leadership, that's when growth starts to become toxic. We need to release our need to control. So what I want to talk about today and what we're going to focus on today is eight characteristics of loose grip leadership because these are all what I believe to be the incredible benefits. And I will tell you already in building this business, I've had a season where it was probably clenched fist leadership in many ways because I had this belief that I could simultaneously grow our business and grow my level of control at the same time. And that was a lie. But then I, I came to the realization that, that was a lie and I started to loosen my grip. And I can honestly tell you as I'm recording this podcast today that, that I'm operating from a posture of loose grip leadership and I'm having a freaking blast. I'm recording this on a Saturday right now, not because I have to record it on a Saturday, but because I wrote this content, I was like, this is too good. This is too much fun. I've got to do this now. I can't wait till Monday. And so I'm just having so much fun right now and life has been brought back. And, and it's not just like that on the podcast. It's like that in my meetings. It's like that in the hiring process we're going through right now. I'm just having an absolute ball. And I want that for all of you because there's so many benefits to loosening your grip. So eight characteristics of loose grip leadership. And one of the things that you can do is you can kind of evaluate. And if you're experiencing some of these, you may be operating with a loose grip. And if you're not, well, then the actions that we talk about at the end of this episode are going to be extremely important. The first one is a fun one. It's, it's characterized by peace of mind, cheerfulness of spirit, and contentment of heart. 
When's the last time you legitimately smiled because what was going on in your business, your team, your leadership, or your life? Like legitimately smiled or legitimately like couldn't stop laughing. Like, do you ever have those moments where you just literally like, you can't stop laughing because you're doing work that you love with people that you love. I want that for you. And I think that that's a characteristic of a loose grip is the ability to be cheerful. My word for the year always comes from a proverb. And it was last year that I chose the proverb, a glad heart makes a cheerful face. And so often, if we don't have an ability to truly, really smile, and if we don't look back at our week and have opportunities where we've actually smiled, and and not because we're forcing a smile or not because we need to have a good attitude, but just because, man, this is work that is worth smiling about. If we can't find that, then that's not a smiling issue. That's a heart issue. We need to be able to have peace of mind, cheerfulness of spirit, and contentment of heart. What else is it characterized by? Well, it's characterized by a standard of commitment, not perfection. One of the things that I learned is that when I was operating in clenched fist leadership, more often than not, the standard that I was holding myself to was perfection. And because things needed to be perfect, I needed to control them. Because you can't possibly trust others with an irrational standard like perfection. But then what you start to realize is you can't even trust yourself. And so you create this level of tension and anxiety associated with the fact that the only way you can envision yourself winning is if you are perfect. Listen up real quick. Perfection is a delusion. Excellence you can strive for. I don't want you to strive for perfection. I want you to strive for absolute excellence. But more than that, the standard that I like to hold myself to is am I committed? Am I playing all out in my business, in my leadership, and in my life? I believe that that's exemplary of loose grip leadership is that I'm trusting that my best is enough. That if I do my absolute best, if I play all out, if I try to grow every day, if I'm legitimately committed to moving forward and serving others and growing in a way that's healthy and life-giving and sustainable, if I'm actually committed to that, well, the loose script leader says, that's enough. That's all you need to do. And certainly you'll make mistakes. Certainly there will be imperfections. Certainly there will be fallibility and failure. But that's okay because the standard isn't perfection. The standard is commitment. That's a characteristic of loose grip leadership. Let's go to number three. It's characterized by a willingness to trust first. As soon as I wrote this down, I thought about one of probably the most profound things I've heard on a podcast in the past year. It's from Tim Ferriss's interview with Jim Collins. Jim is probably one of the premier business and leadership writers of our time right now, just has this brilliant mind. And he tells this story in this podcast that I thought I could read the transcript of it, but then I thought, you know what, let's just play it for you. So what we're talking about here is a willingness to be able to go first in trusting others. And Jim talks about this through the lens of what he calls the trust wager. Check this out real quick. So the trust wager, after I had left Stanford, when I left the very protective walls of where I was, I started hitting other sorts of experiences, situations where people I trusted had abused my trust. And it really stung. I hadn't really experienced that in life before. And just realizing, you know, not, not everybody is trustworthy and some people are really not trustworthy. And, and so I went to Bill 
And I said, Bill, have people ever abused your trust? And how do you deal with this? And he said, yeah, they have. But uh, this is one of the big decisions you have to make in life. You have to decide as a basic stance, are you, is your opening basic assumption about people that they are trustworthy? You always start there. Your opening bid is trust and trusting them. Always. And they can lose that trust if there's incontrovertible evidence that they have abused your trust. But you always have to be clear, never attribute to malice what could simply be explained by incompetence. And the other path is to start with, you have to earn my trust. I'm not necessarily going to trust you, but through evidence and experience, you'll earn your trust. He said, this is one of those big choices in life. It's just a basic stance. What is your stance? And I, and I said, well, you seem to trust people. He said, yes, that's my bid. I said, well, but, but how do you deal with the fact that people are not always trustworthy? And he said, well, you know, so, so long as you don't leave yourself open to a catastrophic loss, and he was always very clear, always pay attention to the cash flow. And he described a situation where he'd lost enough money from somebody he trusted uh, that it hurt, right? Didn't crush him, but it hurt. And he said, but I still come back to, I would rather live with that. I said, well, help me understand, though, the, the pain you have to deal with that and, and the fact that people are not always trustworthy. And he said, look, Jim, think of it as upside and downside. Here's the wager. You know, what's the upside if you, to taking the bid of mistrust? Well, you'll maybe prevent yourself from having one of those hurtful experiences. And what's the downside? The downside is trustworthy people, you will lose them. And the upside to trusting people is when you find the trustworthy people, they will rise to it. And, if, and he said, this was the critical thing he said to me. He said, have you ever considered the possibility, Jim, that not everybody is one or the other, but because you trust them at the outset, they are more likely to become trustworthy because you trust them. Hmm. And ever since then, that I try to live to that, the idea that that's the opening bid. And just make sure you protect your flank so it can't be catastrophic. But that was Bill. Hard-headed, realistic, but you always start with the opening bid of trust. And in the end, here's the key thing. Bill was all about relationships. And Bill believed that the only way to have a great life, there's two approaches to life, to seek transactions and see life as a series of transactions or to take life as building relationships. And the only way to have a great life in Bill's view was relationships. And the cornerstone of relationships is trust. Now, I think if we're being honest, that content can be a little bit challenging for a lot of us. Because often, I've seen that leaders care so much about their impact that they're unwilling to trust it in the hands of others. They care so much about the impact of their business and their growth and their leadership and, and the legacy that they're trying to build, which I love that. And you should care a lot about that, but they care about it so much that they're unwilling to release any of that to others. And that's not healthy. That's not good. And I would even argue that that's not actually leadership. 
you have to trust that other people can help you make that impact. Not only that, you have to trust that it will be essential for other people to be involved if you're going to make that impact and that other people will play a similar and maybe even better role than you can in certain arenas. And you have to be able to do that first. Trust begets trust. This is so important. People act the way that you treat them. And if you treat people as untrustworthy, it's crazy how they will start acting untrustworthy because they have to get out of the oppression of your clenched fist. Loosen your grip. Be willing to trust first. It's also characterized by a deep-seated passion for the process. Now, I think a lot of us can be passionate about the benefits. We can be passionate about the vision. We can be passionate about the destination. But can you be passionate about the process? Can you be passionate about the day-to-day? Can you be passionate about the grind? Not because everything's good. Not because you're on a beach in the Bahamas. Not because it's perpetually always awesome all the time. That's delusional positivity. No, what I'm talking about is to say, man, this is hard. This is a struggle. This kind of sucks sometimes. I'm going to embrace the suck. I love this stuff. (laughs) This is so important to be able to say, and we're going to talk about this in the action items, but one of the things that I realized in doing Ironman triathlons is that a lot of times when you really hit like mile 130, 135, and you're like, man, this is just awful. One of the best things I found that I could do for my mental state is just start smiling. Because you know what would happen whenever I would start smiling? The people on the course, the people, the spectators, they would start smiling too. And then smiles create smiles. And then we're just this big group of smilers. And it made it easier to keep running. Because I found an ability to be passionate about the process, not just the finish line. Can you be passionate right now? A loose grip leader could be. So I want to let you know that one of the things that you can do, and we'll touch on this more here in just a second, is find a way to be passionate. Find a way to be in love with today. Find a way. Resolve to find a way because that's part of loose grip leadership. It's also characterized by an ability to receive and extend grace. At first, I wrote an ability to extend and receive grace, and then I said, no, you need to be able to receive first so that you are able to extend If you are still beating yourself up for imperfections and mistakes and failures that you've made over the past several years, you might look in the mirror and say, am I unable to receive grace? You're going to screw up. And the beautiful thing is, is that grace exists for the times that we do screw up if we're willing to accept it. And not willing to accept that it's available, but willing to accept that we need it. Think about how much humility that takes as a leader to say, I need grace from my team members because I am imperfect and I need their forgiveness. But what's amazing is that when you are able to receive that from others, you're able to extend it to others. You become infinitely more equipped to be a leadership that operates in the realm of grace that is not expecting perfection from people and doesn't walk in the room and scare people whenever they come in, but rather expects excellence and expects commitment and is willing to work with people that sometimes fall short. Now, what I'm not saying here is that we need to consistently approve of a pattern of underperformance because that's not loving or serving someone. But what I am saying is you need to have the ability to connect with people. 
right? People need to view you as a human being. And if you are unable to receive and extend grace, they're not going to view you as a human being. They're going to view you as a superhero. And a superhero is an awesome person to admire, but it's not a great person to follow because I can't relate to a superhero. So we need to be able to receive and to extend grace. We also need to have a recognition that purpose is possible today because this is a characteristic of loose grip leadership. I've shared on this podcast before that I say my mission statement, my personal mission statement every single morning. I say, today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today, I am on a mission, a mission to serve the God of the universe by using the gifts he's given me to inspire understanding, action, purpose, and faith in the lives of the people that I meet. And here's the great part about that mission. Here's the great part about that personal purpose for me. I can do that today. I don't need live speaking events to come back after COVID for me to be able to do that. I don't need a special opportunity to occur. I don't need Path for Growth to reach a certain size. I don't even need to be married yet to be able to do that. I don't need to have a certain friend group to be able to do that. I don't need to have internet access to be able to do that. I can accomplish that purpose right now. That gives me the ability to be about the business of doing it. So do you recognize that purpose is not a destination in the future? Calling is not a destination in the future. Calling is here now. Because if you recognize that, then you're able to loosen your grip and say, I don't need to hold on so tight to a future that doesn't yet exist. I would love to have a different future, but I can find purpose today. I can find calling today. I can find meaning today. And I'm going to be about the business of doing those things. A recognition that purpose is possible, not tomorrow. It's available in the present. The next characteristic, we've got two more, is a healthy acceptance of the possibility of failure. I'm very aware that Path for Growth as a business could fail. Now, I'm not anticipating it. I'm not expecting it. I'm certainly not hoping for it. And I don't think about this a ton, but I'm willing to accept that it could occur. Because the minute that I am unwilling to accept that it could fail as a business, the business is now driving my life instead of my life driving the business. This business does not get to sit on the throne of my heart and my mind. And that's what I want to tell you is, is you've got to have a healthy relationship with failure. I'm not telling you you should want failure. I'm not telling you you should spend much of your time thinking about failure. But if you have an inability to even comprehend that failure is a possibility, well, then circumstance will crush you. And I believe that as impact-driven leaders, we are called to live in an internal state of centeredness regardless of what circumstance may befall us. Because here's the deal. I know restaurant owners that were absolutely crushed by COVID. And there were some of them that had never considered failure as being remotely anywhere near the realm of being possible. And it crushed them whenever they had to shut down their restaurant. At the same time, I knew restaurant owners that had a healthy relationship with failure And they said, man, we don't anticipate it. We're certainly not operating this way. We don't want it. Something could happen. And you know what? Something did happen. It was called COVID-19. And they weren't allowed to have guests in their restaurants for months upon months. And some of them failed. And you know what they did? They said, man, I hate this. And I hate that we have to admit this. And, And I hate that we have to go through this. But you know what? I'm okay. My life is okay. My family is okay, and we can figure it out. Here's the deal. 
failure is possible for you. You have to recognize that. And I don't want to scare you with that. I I don't want to rub that in your face. I don't want you to spend much time thinking about that. But as a leader, it's your responsibility to be able to live in the realm of reality. So failure is possible. And what that does whenever you recognize that is it gives you a loose grip because you're no longer clenching your fist on something that's not reality. When you clench your fist around this lie that says failure is impossible, it's not practical, and I'm not going to accept it, I'm going to deny it, well, then you're not effectively leading. And so what I want you to do is loosen your grip and say, it's possible because that gives you the ability to lead in such a way that you have an abundance mentality. It gives you the ability to take risk. It gives you the ability to trust others. So an healthy acceptance of the possibility of failure. And the final one, an unwillingness to succeed in the wrong way. There have got to be things related to your priorities and your values and your mission that you are simply unwilling to compromise. And if you are willing to succeed at all costs, then you have a clenched fist because it means that you will compromise and give up and abandon your values in order to reach a destination. I wouldn't even call that success. I want you to have a willingness to only succeed in the right way, in a way that's healthy, in a way that results in others being served, in a way that you're actually fulfilled and not just successful, in a way that your family isn't abandoned in the process. That's what I want so bad for you. And I will tell you that is absolutely possible, but you have to have an unwillingness to succeed in any other way. And that gives you the ability to have a loose grip in the present and say, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to compromise my values. It's not going to happen. And there are some things that are already in place that aren't even a decision with regard to the way that we do business and the way that I do leadership, because I'm not willing to succeed in the wrong way. Eight characteristics of loose grip leadership, peace of mind, cheerfulness of spirit, contentment of heart, a standard of commitment, not perfection, a willingness to trust first, deep-seated passion for the process, an ability to receive and then extend grace, a recognition that purpose is possible today, healthy acceptance of the possibility of failure, and an unwillingness, an absolute resolve that you will never succeed in the wrong way. So how do you start to loosen your grip? What does it actually look like? What are the actions that you can practically take? If you look in the mirror right now and you say, based on the last episode that we recorded, there are areas, there are arenas of your life, your leadership, and your business where you're leading with a clenched fist instead of a loose grip, what can you do? Step one, turn around. Turn around. There's a concept in the Bible of repentance, and literally the Hebrew word teshuva means to turn around 180 degrees. It means I'm doing this thing. The moment that I realize it's incorrect, I'm going to turn around. When you persist in a path that is incorrect, it is not effective and is not efficient. Sometimes the most efficient thing that you can do is make a U-turn. If you're going the wrong way, it's the right thing to do. So how do you turn around practically? You own the problem. You say, okay, I'm going to be honest with myself. There are areas right now where I'm leading with the clenched fist. That's number one. Then you tell someone about it. Now, this needs to be someone that you trust. Maybe it's a colleague. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's a mentor. Maybe it's a friend. But you need to tell someone, hey, there's an area where I'm leading with a clenched fist right now. 
and I'm just, I need, I feel this internal need to control things and I'm perpetually anxious and I'm living in paranoia and it's not getting better. And the more we grow, the worse it gets. Tell someone about it and then have the courage and the audacity to ask for help. Turn around. The next thing that you need to do is you need to see yourself accurately. And this a lot of times can be done through journaling or counseling or coaching if you've got a good coach. But we need to view ourselves as a few things. We need to recognize that we are limited, we are imperfect, and we are finite. Because when we recognize that as human beings, we are limited, we are imperfect, we are finite, number one, we are operating with a posture of humility instead of pride. But number two, we have the ability at that point to start to eliminate overextension and overcommitment, which more often than not, impact-driven leaders struggle with overextension and overcommitment because you care so much about this impact that you're willing to deny your needs in the process of reaching it. It doesn't have to be that way, and that's incredibly unhealthy. It's incredibly toxic growth, and I want you to have healthy, life-giving, sustainable growth. You don't have to give up your needs in order to make this impact. You need to recognize that you are limited, finite, and imperfect, and you need to be able to take care of yourself. You need to have a rhythm where you stay strong and then use that strength in service for others. So we said you need to see yourself accurately. That involves viewing yourself as a limited, imperfect, and finite human being. And in the recognition of that accurate perspective of yourself, you can also see yourself as three things that are also true. You are someone that is remarkably capable. You are someone that is incredibly trustworthy. And you are someone that is confident, not in yourself, but in the process You're confident in the purpose. You're confident in the impact that you desire to make, right? Be confident in things that you can be confident. For me, my confidence relies in the Lord, right? I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm not not leaning on my ability to have this all figured out. And I'm not saying you have to believe everything that I believe, but have a confidence in something bigger than yourself because you are super fragile and super fallible. So see yourself accurately. To have an accurate viewpoint of one's self, that's called humility. And that's a powerful tool in the belt of the loose grip leader. We're going to turn around. We're going to see ourselves accurately. And then we're going to trust others first. This goes with everything that Jim Collins already articulated. So I'm not going to hit home too much on this. But have the courage to err on the side of trust. If you are someone that errs on the side of distrusting others first and they need to earn your trust, that's clenched fist leadership, folks. And it's time to loosen the grip by saying, I'm going to give trust as it makes sense and in non-fatal ways to others. And I'm not telling you that by doing that, you will avoid getting hurt. You will get hurt. But what's the alternative? Not trusting anyone? Err on the side of trusting people in non-fatal ways. Recognize that you will be hurt, but I also believe that it will be worth it. Find a way to be passionate in today's part of the process. We already talked about this a little bit. One of the things that I challenge some of my customers to do, and I challenge myself to do this a lot of times, is just walk through the day and remind myself verbally. I literally say this. I love what I do. I love what I do. I love what I do. Because sometimes I'll sit down and I'll record a podcast like this, or I'll step into a coaching call, or I'll go to a meeting, or I'll step into a a 
kind of planning session with my assistant or with other members of our team. And it won't be because I hate it, certainly, because I don't hate it. It will just be because the, the day can kind of become a little bit monotonous. You can get kind of into this drag and, and you just kind of start going through the motions. And sometimes I have to snap myself out of that. And before the meeting and before the podcast recording, I just have to sit down and say, I love what I do. I love what I do. I love what I do because I actually believe that. I love all these things. I love the people that I work with. I love the work that we get to do. And here's the deal. If you can't honestly say that, you need to find a way to say that. Find a way to be passionate about it. Seriously, a lot of times we don't give ourselves enough credit for how much we can choose to be passionate about something. Passion oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes is a choice. And sometimes it's not a work issue. Sometimes it's not a circumstance issue. Sometimes it's not an other people issue. Sometimes it's an attitude issue. And we need to just remind ourselves, I love this. And if I can't love this, then it's not a them problem. It's a me problem. But then there are also times where we are unable, where we are literally unable to say, I love what I do. And if that is where you're at right now and you have legitimately tried, you have legitimately committed yourself to trying to be passionate about it, to finding a way at all costs to be passionate about it, and you still can't find it, then go do something else. It drives me so freaking crazy when people complain about their jobs over and over and over again, day after day after day after day, and they complain and they complain and they complain and they complain. And you know what? No one is forcing you to work there. You can leave today. If you don't like your job for an extended period of time, the beautiful thing is you have a choice. So you either need to choose to start loving it, find a way to have a good attitude about it, or find a way to do something else. I love what I do. I love what I do. I love what I do. So we said we're going to turn around. We're going to see ourselves accurately. We're going to trust others first. We're going to find a way to be passionate in today's part of the process. And then the final one, and this could be the most important, is serve. John Eldridge, whenever I interviewed him for the Entree Leadership Podcast, that was a wonderful interview. And he just has an incredible way about him. We'll put the link to that episode in the show notes of this as well. But one of the things that he said was, work is not my life. Work is simply where I serve. And this guy's a business owner, right? So it's important us to remember, even if you own a business, your work is not your life. Your work is simply where you serve. And so you need to recognize that you are showing up every day. You are doing all these things every day to serve others, not to serve yourself. And it's amazing how when we start to reframe our perspective, not on our internal needs, but rather on the way we are equipped and able to serve others, it's amazing how most of the issues and problems and critical variables start to diminish in importance. But then I also want to challenge you to create rhythms to remind yourself that this isn't about you. Spend time serving people that can't pay you. Spend time serving people that maybe appear as though that they have nothing to give. Because this is something that a friend of mine, Dan in Austin, once said. He said, sometimes the people that appear they have nothing to give often have the most to offer you. And isn't that so true? Spend time around people that don't know what you do. They don't know who you are. They don't really care about your income. 
and just serve them, love them, and you will be amazed at how your grip starts to magically loosen and how you're no longer operating from a posture of anxiety and worry and fear and paranoia and bitterness and resentment, but rather you assume a posture of joy and cheerfulness and excitement and fulfillment and abounding gratefulness. That's what service is all about. And if we start to view our work as service and then commit ourselves to a cadence and a rhythm of effectively serving others, man, it can change everything. And you'll look up one day and you'll be able to say, I love what I do. I love what I do. I love what I do. Because you're leading with a loose grip. Y'all, this stuff really matters to me. And it, it is such an honor that you're willing to share your time with myself and with our team. So if this was valuable, I'm going to ask you for a favor. Would you share it with someone? Maybe it's someone on your team. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Share it with someone. And then also, if you share it on social media, just make sure you tag us. My handle is at Jed on the Run, and our handle collectively is at Path for Growth. We'd love to see what you got from this episode. Know that our whole team is rooting for you. We want to see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.